Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to recap the Jets and the Baltimore Ravens. Game number one of the 2022 regular season at MetLife Stadium. The Ravens pulverized the Jets 24 to 9. There's no real other way to say it. The Jets were in this thing for a while. They were competitive up until the half and then even into part of the third quarter. And then the Ravens took over and never let up. This was an embarrassing performance, particularly for the offense and Joe Flacco. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with our friend who covers the Jets for NJ.com, Mr. Andy Vasquez. Andy, what's up, man? Much, Scott. It was, uh, Another not-so-good home opener for the Jets. That's, I mean, anyone who was there, anyone who watched it, you know, that's the takeaway, unfortunately, for the Jets. It just felt like uh, more of the same even if uh, they don't want to believe that. If you showed up to MetLife Stadium for this game, you sat in the rain in really ugly, cloudy weather to watch The Jets and the Baltimore Ravens do battle. And as I said, I want to start with the offense here. And let's begin with Joe Flacco. We heard throughout training camp that Flacco looked pretty good for the most part. 
We heard Robert Salas say that Joe Flacco could still be a starter in the NFL. We heard that the players were behind Joe Flacco. They were excited to play with him. He was a former Super Bowl MVP. And then you watch Joe Flacco go out there today. And really, let's be honest, Andy, he looked like he was stuck in quicksand. If you take a quick look at his box score stats, 37 of 59, 307 yards, one touchdown, one interception, you would think, oh, that's not bad, although he threw 60 times, which is crazy. But if you actually watch the game, he was terrible. Even on plays when he had time to throw, he was not seeing open receivers. He was missing throws. And then, of course, there's the matter of the offensive line, who did a terrible job of blocking. Going into this game, everybody was really nervous about Max Mitchell, and he ended up being the least of their worries on the offensive line, surprisingly. And so when you looked at the Jets' offense and Joe Flacco unable to do much of anything, You looked at the offensive line being unable to block anybody or open up holes in the running game. And then, of course, you had the running game itself. Michael Carter looked pretty good, and he continued his trend of never being taken down on first contact. He was amped. He was firing up the crowd. He was making plays. Brees Hall made a couple of nice first down runs, but then, of course, he had the fumble, which is not something that he did much of at Iowa State, and I know that he talked about that after the game during the presser, but every time it looked like the Jets might have something going, the air came out of the balloon. Not that it looked like they had a lot going at any point during the game, but we know that Flacco threw that interception. We know that the Jets had that fumble with Tyler Conklin. So on and on it went, and it was just one disaster after another after another for the offense today, Andy. Joe Flacco is going to start in week number two on the road against the Cleveland Browns, probably because the Jets don't have any better options. Although, as I said to you before we started recording, and I was saying on Twitter, at a certain point, the Jets should have thrown Mike White in there. Not that Mike White is anything special, but at least he's young, he's got fresher legs, and maybe he could have injected some energy into that offense. Joe Flacco was giving the Jets absolutely nothing, and I would like to think that if we see another performance like this next week, that at some point, Robert Sella will be smart enough to pull the plug, but I'm not convinced that'll be the case. So Andy, depressing day for the offense, particularly the offensive line, and Joe Flacco, who is supposed to be the steady veteran, who the Jets could lean on and maybe get a win or two out of before Zach Wilson comes back, but he looked like he was practically retired out there today. I mean, there is a reason that Joe Flacco hasn't been a week one starter for a team, you know, in a real starting role since the Broncos in 2019. Uh, it's just, like you said, he's not moving very well. Now, I think he was hurt by some of the, you know, missed opportunities out there in terms of, you know, guys not catching balls that maybe they could have. He didn't get much help. Let's just put it that way. He didn't get much help from the offensive line, uh, which, you know, I think, like you said, Max Mitchell was not uh, – the, the biggest problem. And I think when you ask an offensive line to drop back and protect a quarterback, you know, 60 times, it's all things considered, it could have gone a lot worse than this, but I mean, Flacco was under pressure a lot. And when you consider his age and you consider that, obviously there's been some erosion of, of talent there. And, uh, and when you consider he hasn't been in, a, in really live action other than the giants preseason game since late last year, uh, it's kind of predictable what we saw out there and it just wasn't good enough. I mean, that's the bottom line. It just wasn't good enough to, to win the game. They had moments and opportunities. Their defense gave them a chance to stay in the game, but then there's just too many times where they got nothing out of drives. I mean, you start the second half with 
I think a three and out, and then the, the Ravens come down the, the field on their second possession of the, of the second half and score, and then and then you get a you're going to go three and out again, but you get bailed out by a penalty and you get nothing out of it, and then the next drive in the third quarter is is the 55 yard pass to Rashad Bateman uh, on a busted coverage that that blows this thing wide open and makes it 24 to three with with time left in the third quarter and and it's just they needed to to get something going they needed to get the job done they needed to give their defense something and they never really came close to scoring a touchdown uh, until garbage time and even then it was tough like michael carter who you mentioned had a great game drops an easy touchdown pass uh i think elijah moore had a pass interference on a touchdown catch Mm -hmm. so it was just all around bad but in the third quarter, especially when they just needed to do something, anything to help the defense and maybe give the defense, you know, a reason to not give in to frustration. They, they couldn't deliver. And, and yeah, Joe Flacco did not look good. Neither did George Fant. Uh, and neither did, I mean, I think you could look at anybody on the offense, Tyler Conklin, uh, Brees Hall, like you said, everybody made Corey Davis dropped it. A pass that was behind him, but was catchable in the first quarter. Everybody kind of had things that they could have done better. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. And you mentioned Elijah Moore getting called for that offensive pass interference in the end zone. 
which is a shame because not only would that have given him a touchdown, but it would have given me a victory in my daily fantasy entry on the player projections over at prizepicks.com. If you listen to the show this week, you know that I took Corey Davis to get more than 41 yards and Elijah Moore to get more than 51 yards. Davis was the leading receiver, despite, as you said, Andy, dropping a pass that was behind him, but catchable. He had six catches for 77 yards. Elijah Moore fell just short, five catches for 49 yards. So, unfortunately, I did not win my player entries, but you have a chance to get in on player entries coming up over the next couple of days for the next week's game with the Jets taking on the Cleveland Browns or any other game on the NFL slate or really any other sport you want to get involved in. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. Like I said, you could do NFL, NBA, MLB, UFC, whatever you want. It's really easy. Entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code PLAJ. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix gives you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50, PrizePix gives you 50. Don't forget, enter the promo code PLAJ to sign up for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. And Andy, like I said, Corey Davis, the leading receiver, 77 yards, Elijah Moore, could have gone over that 51 yards if he had gotten that touchdown that got called back on the OPI. But the thing that was curious to me about the passing game today was how little Garrett Wilson was used and how little the tight ends were used. Now, as we said, Tyler Conklin did fumble, but we did not see much from the tight ends at all today, despite hearing all throughout the offseason about how the Jets planned on really utilizing those tight ends. And Garrett Wilson, despite dropping some passes in training camp and even in the preseason, We knew what he could do on the field. We'd seen the electric plays. He had four catches for 52 yards, including one play where he almost miraculously made a first down out of next to nothing. But I can't understand why they didn't try to get him in there more, especially as it became clear that the offense was struggling. There are many ways to get a guy like Garrett Wilson involved with his speed and athleticism and ability to just go up there and get it. These were two things that really perplexed me about what Mike LaFleur did today. Yeah, I can totally understand that with the tight ends thing Joe Flacco was asked about that and he said that they just missed some opportunities early in the game and then when you get to the second half where the the Ravens are basically blitzing everybody because you know the Jets have to throw uh, that that was what he stated as the reason for why the tight ends didn't get involved today that that it was part of the game plan to get all three of them involved they thought there were some things that they could do against this defense with all three of them and it just didn't materialize. And then with Garrett Wilson, I, do, I don't understand that either. I don't understand why Braxton Berrios is out there in the slot instead of Garrett Wilson. Uh, just because Garrett Wilson, even at this stage, he may not be completely ready yet, but he's just so much more dynamic and, and can give you so much more explosive potential and so much of what the Jets didn't have today, which was uh, – you know, guys who, who were able to make big plays. Uh, I, I think they still view him as somebody who, who is learning and, and maybe not ready for a completely full role, especially based on what we saw today. But I think that's a mistake because uh, it just, when you look at the Jets offense, 
with practice and Barrios out there at slot all the time is the, the offense is just not as good as when they've had other guys in the slot. So I, I think, you know, that's a, that's doesn't make sense to me and I don't like it. And uh, I, I understand that frustration. I think I do understand with the tight ends. I think given the situation with the offensive line and there was, they were in a lot of 12 personnel early in the game. Um, I think that also could have something to do with it. Let's stay tuned and see if there's more stability on the offensive line. If it kind of, you know, gives them more opportunities, but yeah, I would, I would be disappointed if I was a Jets fan and, and you, you see another kind of non factor day from your tight ends, which is what you're used to for years and years and years. Uh, it just, you know, I don't even, I don't even remember seeing CJ Uzoma out there at any point today. And I, I know he was, but I'm just saying he didn't have an impact on the game. And, and that's not, you know, when you make a big investment in a position in free agency, that's not what you want to see. Uh, now it's only one game, but not a good start. And that fits in with the theme of the day. Defensively, the Jets had their share of frustrations, but overall there were some good moments. I thought DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner both played really, really well. Sauce Gardner was barely even targeted because he was playing so well and had great coverage. In fact, he broke up a pass headed for the end zone that was going to go to Mark Andrews, and that makes sense that they put Sauce Gardner on Mark Andrews in that situation. You put your best guy on their best guy, and Sauce had him blanketed. DJ Reed ended up getting an interception late in the game, although they were down 24-3, and he was celebrating like he just won the Super Bowl, which was a little strange, but still I'll forgive it because he played so well today. We saw the great closing speed of Quan Alexander on one particular screen. Man, is he fast when he's healthy. He just darted right over there and made a killer play. Michael Carter the second had some nice coverage on one particular play that he got shook up on, so I'm not sure if there's anything more to that as far as injury status. I'm sure you'll tell us about that a little bit later on, Andy, when we talk about what was said in the locker room. LaMarcus Joyner, though, had a really tough day. Got called for that pass interference play that ended up leading to a touchdown to Devin DuVernay in the end zone on Bryce Hall. I can't really kill Bryce Hall on that one, Andy, because even though he got beat for the touchdown, his coverage was pretty tight. Lamar Jackson just threw a perfect pass right to DuVernay where it was basically unguardable, and so that wound up being a touchdown. The story here with Lamar Jackson is that while he made a few plays with his legs, he didn't really kill the Jets that way. It's not like he had a ton of rushing yards today. Lamar Jackson ultimately six carries for 17 yards, but what he really did with his legs was he used them to buy himself more time and eventually when you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who's able to use his legs to buy time he's gonna find somebody open and he did and Jordan Whitehead was the victim twice once it was DuVernay on his second touchdown the other time it was Jordan Whitehead getting victimized by Rashad Bateman that is going to be a losing matchup every single time so the corners played pretty well rough play from the safeties and as far as the defensive line goes, they made some good plays. We saw Quinton Williams get in there and make a huge pass deflection after the Flacco interception, which held the Ravens to three points instead of seven. We did get the first career half sack for Jermaine Johnson, which prompted me to joke on Twitter that in his first NFL game, Jermaine Johnson already eclipsed Vernon Golston's career sack total. So welcome to the league, young Jermaine. 
positives there for the Jets on defense. Eventually, the dam broke. There were times where Lamar Jackson had way too much time to throw, and you can only give Lamar Jackson so many chances with your offense doing nothing in return before your team ends up getting burned. That's what happened. The Jets' defense held the fort for as long as they could, but eventually they just couldn't hold the fort anymore. So more positives than negatives defensively, but ultimately Lamar Jackson was able to do what Lamar Jackson does a few too many times. Yeah, I mean, and even in the passing game, overall the Jets did a pretty good job with Jackson, but same thing as we saw last year. It's just a few plays that end up killing you and yeah, the, the play, the, the deep one debatement. I'm not 100% sure if that was all on Whitehead. I know there may have been a defensive miscommunication there. But either way, like, that can't happen. That's that's a backbreaker, and, and you can't allow that to happen. And, and I agree with you on the Bryce Hall thing. I, I almost feel bad for the kid because the coverage was good. You just – that's a hell of a throw and a hell of a catch, and you kind of got to just tip your cap. There, there's nothing he did wrong there. He was in the game because I think they had Gardner – on a tight end. Um, so that's why um, Hall came into the game for coverage in that situation. Kind of weird. The jets were in, um, you know, the nickel uh, or maybe even the dime on, on that fourth down. I can't remember, but we're on that third down. Cause that was another theme. The jets got burned a lot on third down today. So it was, you saw like the potential from the defense, right? You saw they were able to get into the backfield and and make Lamar Jackson move around. Uh, you saw, like you mentioned, the speed with Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams, and and I think these guys were like flying around playing with with high energy. They had the stadium rocking for a lot of the first half because it, it was exciting and they looked like a legitimately good defense. It's just on the third quarter when they really needed to keep that going, uh, they weren't able to. And and partially, I think we got to. Remember, there's a lot of new parts on this defense. Uh, it's going to get better than what we saw. And let's not like go crazy yet. But also, that looked way too familiar to some of the other stuff we've seen in the past where there, there's just these huge mistakes and big spots that end up being very costly. Like the Joiner penalty was a huge, huge turning point. Uh, their inability to get off the field on third down was, was huge. And then obviously uh, on those two drives back to back where they give up touchdowns and it was a, a stretch of three out of four drives at the end of the first half, they got to stop to start the second half and then two more touchdowns. That was just the kind of stretch you, you can't have if you, if you want to stay in a game against a team like this. And, and that's exactly what the jets did. They, they had, you know, a bad stretch there that, that ended up costing them. And it's hard to call it a good day for the defense, even though we saw a lot of good things and a lot of potential when you allow big plays like the plays that they allowed. Andy Sauce Gardner was on Isaiah Likely, the rookie tight end on that play that Bryce Hall got beat for a touchdown by Devin DuVernay. By the way, I want to talk a little bit about special teams here because Greg Zerline oh, missed yeah. the kick and Braden Mann. I was all for the Jets drafting him in the sixth round in 2020. He was the best punter in the country. And I really need to talk to somebody who's a special teams expert or who is a punter or a kicker to explain this to me because you and I were joking about this before we started recording. I feel like punter 
is the one position that should be completely foolproof in terms of the transition from college to the pros because there's literally nothing that you have to adjust to. There's nothing different that you have to do as a punter in the pros as opposed to college. And yet this guy who is the best punter in the country at Texas A&M has been one of the worst punters in the NFL so far throughout his career. And I can't make any sense of it. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I mean, I got nothing for you, man. Like maybe <laughs> like last year was he hurt his knee in week one and, and needed to get back to full strength and he punted well at the end of the year. Fine, whatever. Uh, like there's you can't shank a punt 20 yards in that spot. You can't do that. I, I got no explanation. If I was a Jets fan, I mean, I'm not a Jets fan. I'm sick of watching special teams. Like, like, and it's not like the special teams unit is overall bad year to year. They were one of the better ones in the NFL last year. I think they usually are under Boyer. But these freaking mistakes um, <laughs> that they keep making every year, every game, like, was anybody surprised to see Greg Zerline miss from 45 yards on his first kick <laughs> as a Jet? Like, was anybody surprised? <laughs> I can't imagine that any Jets fan was surprised. And, and then just because you know that's not enough, he, he throws in a mix extra a miss extra point later to let you know that, hey, this is something you really need to be concerned about moving forward. Now the Jets say that you know it's just a bad game and they're not concerned, but it's just a bad game until he misses a kick that matters next week in Cleveland and they lose by by two and then it, it's a memory that everyone talks about for the next 10 years. Um, I, I don't know how you would have a ton of confidence in, in, in what you saw today out of that. And then again, once, you know, as if the defense giving up the, the bomb to Bateman wasn't bad enough, the jets, you know, received the kickoff and immediately you got a special teams penalty, uh, on that play. And that, then, you know, the wheels are off. Like they were already off, but you get the point. Like it's just, it's almost like it's conspiring against the Jets in a way to make it as frustrating and painful as possible. And and that was like the offensive performance was obviously hard to watch. The defensive performance was frustrating given what happened at their quarter. But then you throw the special teams on there and it's just like, what am I watching? Like, how does this continue to happen? Uh, and I don't have a good answer for you uh, other than if it keeps going this way, uh, it's going to be hard to explain why the Jets kick, you know, cut a guy who missed no kicks for them or one kick last year and didn't miss any in the preseason and kept a guy who, for the first time in his career last year, you know, struggled with extra points. I think he missed six last year after missing the same amount in the previous five years. So um, that's not going to end up looking like a very good signing unless he starts making a lot of kicks very quickly. And I don't know. I, I'd imagine that if I'm frustrated and I don't, you know, I'm not invested in the Jets win loss record. I can't imagine what a Jets fan feels like watching that. But who knows? Maybe I just, you know, I'm a special teams enthusiast and I'm over it. The kicking game is the least of the Jets worries right now, Andy. But I just want the record to reflect that I've been beating the drum about the Jets drafting a kicker and taking care of that position for the next 10 to 12 years for the last few years. And they have not done it. I was talking about Jose Borregales and Evan McPherson last year. Jose Borregales still in Tampa. We know what Evan McPherson did for the Bengals. And then, of course, Cade York this year out of LSU. 
and he kicked four field goals, including a game-winning 58-yarder today for the Cleveland Browns. So I would like to see the Jets actually take my advice for once at the kicker position, but for now, they stick with Greg the leg and just have to hope that, as you said, his newfound tendency to struggle with extra points stops and his ability to hit kicks, which earned him the name Greg the Leg and sent him to the Pro Bowl in 2017 somehow returns because if not, it's going to be a big problem because whichever games the Jets win this year, you have to imagine most of them are going to be pretty close. And in order to win close games, you got to have a kicker that can actually make kicks. So that's something that they're going to have to reevaluate at some point. And hopefully Greg Zerline is able to turn it around and be better than he was today where he missed a kick and an extra point. Andy, after the game, in the press room, we got updates on injuries, including another head scratcher from Robert Sala. I understand he was trying to be honest about Dwayne Brown, but you can't keep going back and forth whether you want to be honest or not honest, and then you get your lies confused, and then you end up saying things that confuse everybody even more and erode even more trust, because when it comes to talking about injuries, Robert Sala is maybe the worst I've ever seen at this. I can't remember anybody that's ever been this bad at finding ways to convey information about injuries. Zach Wilson, Makai Becton, now Dwayne Brown, he has got to start saying no comment or we'll let you know when we have more information and stop doing this because it is just not working out for him. I don't, but I'm not going to kill him on the Makai Becton thing because, you know, the medical staff told him that and, and they're, they're relatively certain about it. And it just so happened that that was not the case. I mean, that's, that's bad luck. Uh, the Zach Wilson thing was mismanaged horribly. Um, it was uh, also very obvious to anyone paying attention that he was never going to play against the Ravens. The Jets wanted to make it seem like he might play for competitive advantage. I mean, it's, you know, pretty clear that that's what happened. And then they end up understandably pissing off their fans and, and looking silly because you can't say one day that a guy had a good workout and, could, and it's possible to play on Sunday and then two days later say, I'm tired of talking about this and he's out until week four, at least. So, yeah, that was bad. Today with Dwayne Brown, Sala basically did what he should do <laughs> with injuries like most of the time, which is be either don't give a lot of information or be semi-realistic about it. And, and realistically, they're going to have to wait and see how Dwayne Brown's rehab goes before he comes back. That's that's what he said. They're leaving the door open to him returning, but also it's they're being very cautious about it because he's 37 years old. He had a shoulder injury that obviously he was considering getting fixed with surgery, and he's rehabbing it. So not none of that is good. And if Dwayne Brown gets back on the field at any point in the season, it'll be a bonus for the Jets and their fans, and that's how I would approach it. And I think finally. Uh, that was kind of like an appropriate amount of information that was given out by Salah on, on, on this on this situation. So I don't have a problem with that, but I understand your frustration um, and it shouldn't be this hard. I don't I wish there was a nicer way to say it, but just how it is. It, sh- it shouldn't be this difficult to, to relay that information. As for the other injuries, here is a bit of good news for Jets fans, a really good bit of good news. There were no major injuries today that we know of. So, again, I know given the recent events, Jets fans are probably going to wait and see on Monday and, and kind of hold their breath really until Wednesday. But it looks like they came out of this game with with no major injuries. Um, 
Michael Carter looked to be shaken up on that on that pass breakup, like you said. His injury was never announced. I saw him go into the tent. I didn't see him come out, but I'm assuming he came back into the game because no injury update was ever given, and he wasn't listed after as being a player who dealt with an injury. Um, and the Jets really didn't have any injury scares today. So if you're looking for positives, that's a big one. Andy Robertsella spoke about more than just the injuries after the game. We're going to get back to him in a second. Brees Hall spoke and talked about the fumble. He said, it's very frustrating. I'm not used to it. I don't usually do it. I don't accept it. It's going to hurt, but I have to move on and have amnesia. Promises it won't happen again. Just a reminder that Brees Hall only lost three fumbles in 800 career touches at Iowa State. So sometimes it really is just bad luck, and he seems very determined to not let it happen again. It kind of reminds me of that scene in the program, Andy, if you saw that movie, with Darnell Jefferson, the character Omar Epps played, and he had a fumbling problem early on. And James Kahn, the coach, gave him a football and said, I want you to carry this around with you to classes. And if any player other than you brings this to me at practice by the end of the day, you're going to wish you were never born. So that's kind of where Brees Hall is at right now. Also, C.J. Mosley spoke, said he believes the Jets will turn it around. Said he believes that every day that he walks in the building and every day that he wakes up a Jet. And you also heard Robert Salas speak, as we said before, beyond the injuries. Joe Flacco, Tyler Conn and Carl Lawson what did they all have to say yeah it was an interesting dynamic in the post game I'll start with Robert Sala basically said there were some positives they can take out of the game but they made too many mistakes to beat a veteran team like the Ravens um, he said he was proud of the way they fought I don't think that was exactly the best thing to say because when you're down 21 points in the third quarter of a game it doesn't matter how hard you fought you didn't play well enough to win and and that's all that matters um but i think he did have a good point that like if they play with the intensity and the kind of speed and and especially on defense that we saw in the first half like they probably are going to be okay in terms of like showing that they're a significantly uh better team uh and it's exact quote was there's no moral victory not even close to a moral victory but i do know that if we do what we're supposed to do if we come out and play the way we did with the energy and the juice like i talked about um and then he kind of changed you know, thoughts midstream he's like we've got to get it fixed um and, and then he ended that quote by saying i know that if we do play with that type of mentality and the type of effort that we play with today we're going to be fine we've just got to clean it up and i think there's a lot to clean up but this is a young team and with a lot of moving parts. And I do think there's reason to believe it'll look better starting next week and better after that. But um, still it, it's, you know, for Jets fans who are, have watched the same movie over and over again. Uh, I, I don't know if the correct tone is to, is to kind of talk about being proud of the way the team fought. Um he, he said he'll look at the tape with Flacco um, and and um, basically his answer on that was in critical moments. Nobody was helping one another. Um, and, he, and he talked about the tight end thing and had the same answer as Flacco. It's like kind of the way the, the game flowed. We started out in 13 personnel um, to get three of them going and we had a couple of good plays here and there. But the way the game ended up, we just couldn't get them going. And then I'm playing a lot in the dime defense, including that, that touchdown to Hall. We wanted to match up with their tight ends, big bodies, 
and tried to get Bryce out there as a big body and the way they distributed from a route distribution standpoint, he obviously ended up on a receiver, which is fine. Um, Bryce has done this before and he probably played it a little too thick at the line of scrimmage. You gave it up. Now, obviously Sal must not have gotten a great look at that because I thought the coverage was fine as, as you did. Um, and on the 55 yard touchdown pass, he said, we got a little nosy on the back end, obviously got behind us a lot of respect to their run game, especially with having the lead. They just caught being, they just got caught being nosy. I think talking about his safeties. Um, and then basically the general theme on with the mistakes, it, it was about execution. They just didn't execute when they needed to, um, which is obvious. Uh, with other guys, Tyler Conklin uh, kind of shadowed a message or, or echoed a message. And this is really the only thing the Jets were on the same page on all day. Uh, the message in the locker room from the players is, was pretty consistently, one game does not make a season. Um, we've got a lot of football left to play. And, and Tyler Conklin is going to directly quote what, what Tyler Conklin said. And he said, um, you know, there's a lot of football left to play. We're a good football team. I know everybody is saying it's the same old shit, but it's not the same old shit. Um, and then he kind of went on from there about how they've got to improve and clean up their mistakes. And and my point to what he said is fine, but prove it. <laughs> like you can't. You've lost 13 games in a row in September. You haven't. You've won one home home opener in your last seven seasons. And you got smoked again in front of your home fans, and they were booing. Now, I know Tyler Conklin just got here, and it's not like against nothing against him, appreciate his honesty, but like that's the attitude you have to have in the locker room, and that's the only way the Jets are going to turn it around. I think it's a good sign that they have that attitude, but the fans don't want to hear it. Nobody who watches the Jets regularly wants to hear that they're not the same old Jets when they came out and played like they did today. Prove it, or no one's going to believe you. If you go to Cleveland next week and you do this again, no one's going to be booing you for the next game. They're just not going to come. And the ones who come will be booing you if you play like that again, but you get my point. Like, we've reached the point here. It's 11 years without the playoffs. Uh, there's a, Apathy is long past that inward. Anger. Um, no one cares if you're capable of doing it. They just want to see you do it. Uh, that's what I wrote. And that's what I believe. And let's see if they can do it. Um, Joe Flacco talked about kind of the same thing. He said, like, we've just got to believe. Uh, and, he, and he included himself in that. He's like, we just got to come out and know that, like, we're good enough to win because we are good enough to win. Um, he talked about, which I thought was interesting, part of the problem with the offense is, like, when they get a couple of big plays, there was a drive where, where they had two first downs very quickly. He's like, they would walk up to the line of scrimmage like, okay, yeah, ho-hum. Um, and then the drive would come to a quick conclusion. He didn't think there was enough energy, confidence. Something was like kind of lacking, uh, a sense of urgency maybe, which is puzzling for week one. Uh, but that's what Joe Flacco said and I think kind of translated into the results on the field. Uh, you know, Flacco, in terms of what he thought he could have done better, he thought early in the game – he really needed to do a better job of getting to his check down. Uh, he thinks he missed some opportunities there and, and forcing the issue like on the interception where he tried to find Cager and Cager fell over. He specifically said that that was a play where he probably shouldn't have 
like, would I throw it again? Yes, but I probably shouldn't have forced that. Um, and, and basically the message in the locker room is like, we are good enough to win. We believe that, but we can't keep having, you know, these mistakes and we, we can't keep saying like, we're going to feel good about a lot of things that we did on offense. Like, that's nice, but like, unless you put it all together, it doesn't matter. That, I'm paraphrasing what he said there, but that, that was kind of the message. Carl Lawson was also talked to a few of us in the locker room. I asked him about the fans booing, and he said, I didn't really pay attention to it, but like, this is New York. And if you're going to come out with that effort, you're going to get that fire, which was a good observation and, and a true observation. And basically saying, if you're going to play like that, you deserve to get booed. And there's no argument for me with that. Um, I mean, overall, the mood in the locker room was somber, but the guys were hammering home the point. I heard Michael Carter say this as well. Like, it's not like we lost the Super Bowl. You know, it's one game. And if we win in Cleveland next week, basically, it's just one game. And I actually agree with that. It is just one game. And if you win in, in Cleveland next week, it is one game, but if you do this again in Cleveland next week, it's not one game. It's like a continuation of what we saw last year. And um, I think overall what you saw today and, and the way the Jets were out of the game in the third quarter was discouraging no matter what the circumstances or the reasons. It wasn't an easy matchup. It wasn't um, uh, It wasn't easy conditions with, with the rain and all of that. And you got a team with a lot of moving parts, new guys, young pieces, Mistakes are to be expected, but like for there to be so many mistakes in every phase, that's discouraging. And for it to result in uh, a non-competitive performance is also discouraging. And until the Jets prove that they're that this isn't who they are, it is who they are. So that's just life, and that's the way it is. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on. And recapping game number one of the 2022 season, Jets and the Ravens, a 24-9 victory for the Ravens over the Jets. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything you're doing over at NJ.com and follow you on social media, what do they have in store for them if they follow you and if they want to read your work over at NJ.com? What do you got coming up? Yeah, well, like I said, I've got a piece on um, some observations, first of all, from from what went wrong during the game. Uh, We followed it up with, you know, what I just said about what Tyler Conklin had to say after the game and what the Jets' message was in the locker room, which um, that we're not the same old Jets, but like, okay, prove it. Like that, that's all that matters now. Nobody, no one wants to hear it anymore. Let's just see it, put something different out in the field. Um, also broke down how the Jets' rookies fared on this day. Um, I think it was a lot of good, some bad. It was inconsistent, just but I think there was some some reason for promise, so we'll see that. We went deep on the struggles of the offense, so so check that out as well. And we're going to kind of have more on the players who stood out and who didn't stood out and, and what the Jets need to get fixed heading into Cleveland next week for a game that is, that is big for them to kind of avoid putting themselves in yet another early hole and to avoid losing in September yet again. I think they've lost 13 straight in September, which is – Hard to fat. So anyway, more at NJ.com and follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. Make sure you follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez and read his work over at NJ.com. Visit our website, playlikeajet.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. 
We've got all 22 reviews of the Jets' entire 2022 draft class, courtesy of the Thunder from down under, Luke Grant. Make sure you watch the videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes, if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.